Season 2, Episode 28 of Stats and Matter. Week 6, Tim, was a nice evening out for my picks, and you were a recovered fumble away from tying me in picks this week. If you are a Tim Spiracy guy, which I think you were, you probably thought, because you you manifested that last week. You said, I've got all these bullshit games. You're going you're gonna to catch up with me in picks this week, and look what happened. I stayed the same, and you regressed. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. In our cups this week, it's a rice lager from New Britain, Connecticut, and a pilsner from Charlotte, North Carolina. Follow us on Instagram at Stats the Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for some good sports and beer content. That's wholesome, right? And then find Stats the Matter wherever you get your podcasts Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go. Uh, <clears throat> correction, sir. Uh, I won again, once again. Yes, so you're downplaying it, but you, but you almost all you, you, you beat me by one pick. That that is a after you s- destroyed me the week prior. To be, uh, I was, I was, I was one. There was one that I'm a little annoyed. I didn't actually have us correct or update because I said. That uh, the Panthers wouldn't win without McCaffrey, and he went on the IR like immediately after <laughs> That's that your podcast. Fault. You jinxed the and, team, not me. Uh, oh, there, dude. Well, we'll get into it in a little bit, but that was one that I I correctly picked without correctly picking it. I did not put in my official ballot, but yeah, realistically, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what happens fine. when you have the uh, the number one pick overall, and you're accepting trade offers. And then uh, you just don't get to trade it in time. It doesn't happen. You don't trade the number yeah. one overall pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should happen. Well, Why don't you go ahead and get into this beer this week so we can we can hear you drown it out. I will. More importantly, though, before I get started, have you seen the new Batman trailer? I knew you were going to do this. Yes, I've seen the I new know. Batman trailer. I, uh, well, give me your thoughts. Uh, I open this beer. The first trailer that ever came out about it was not good. I was immediately thinking this is going to be trash. This is going to be the same yeah. sort of DC Universe film. And I don't know what happened. Maybe like with like the Deadpool thing a couple years ago when the footage leaked online and all of a sudden it got better. Um, or like when the Snyder Cut was released and it was just an infinitely better movie. Uh, the mm-hmm. Fandom trailer that came out? Mm, I'm telling you what, you boys probably <laughs> going to go to the theater to see that film and I had no yeah. intention of seeing it whatsoever. I was like, Robert Pattinson? Who the hell is this dude? And I, now after watching this trailer, I'm like, this is the Jacob we should have seen. Not the Jacob, yeah. but what? The Edward. Yeah. This is the Edward we should have seen in Twilight. And I wouldn't know uh, that because I've never seen any of the movies. I feel like you're lying about that. <laughs> yeah. I did, Sam, I did. Sam has definitely seen it. I did see one of the movies. Yeah. And I remember going in the theater one. and uh, his Wait, skin. you saw it in the theater? I, I saw a, I saw, I think it was the second one or the third <laughs> one. I saw it in the theater. It was so bad. So bad. And I just remember the movie opened up and his skin was sparkling. And I, I didn't even hold back. I was like, this dude's fucking skin sparkles? And like, three rows of like teenage girls just turned around and looked at me and was like yes yes i did did." so i thought he was gonna be that that was that was my thing i was like i don't know if robert pattinson can can pull this off and now i'm thinking he's emo he's all muscle bound up and rage filled Mm -hmm. yep i'm about it dude he if you haven't seen it you gotta watch it the spectacular violence in that is very much in line with the comic books and anybody who played the game it is glorious and it is just 
I've seen it like a hundred times. I've actually watched like the YouTube reaction video collections of other people watching. It's amazing. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's fucking incredible. Um, all right, mixing up a little week, a little bit this week. I've been saying I'm I'm kind of a little bit over IPAs right now. So, uh, Alivarium, it's a it's a local brewery to me. They put out some pretty decent stuff. Uh, they have one called Crunchyroll, which they describe as a crushable rice lager. Uh, it's light, 4.1%. Uh, but what really got me on this is I've heard of it, and I, I know people who like it. But the, <laughs> the label on the side is amazing. I have to read the whole thing, too, because it's, it's great. Read away. It says, uh, thanks for picking up this can. Clearly, you have good taste and or an attraction to shiny objects. By holding this can, you have inadvertently formed a bond with it and imprinted a piece of your soul inside. Putting the can down may cause emotional damage to the contents, causing it to act out against future drinkers. Please keep your new friend cold and consume fresh. Dispose of the empty cans. That one's funny, but this is the this is a good one. Quote, I see you checking me out. Why don't we slip away from the party and see how fast you can pound me behind the shed? Ah, uh, damn, and this is a family podcast. <laughs> the sentient can of Japanese rice lager you hold in your hand. God. <laughs> There's like some freaky uh, matrix shit going on right now. I don't really know what the, you might have to put the double E on this uh on this episode. My God. Uh, Dude, do we just become an OnlyFans podcast? Because that's what it sounds like now. If you read that label again, which you shouldn't. For 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 five dollars, you can see a preview of me pounding this can behind the woodshed <laughs> <laughs> with pasties over my nipples. Oh god damn, why did you do that? Why did you All right. do that? Uh oh yeah, look at this thing. That looks crisp and delicious everything i was looking for right now what, what you can't see picture. Send the picture. I'm, I'm wearing a, a high life shirt at the moment and i was drinking a high life at the start of this so this is like right in my wheelhouse right now it smells like cooked rice if you've ever had a rice cooker in the house once it's done it has like a an, an aroma that's just unmistakable you know it's rice it's if you're a rice fan it's delicious uh I've been very fortunate to to own a rice cooker for a very long time, and I also had two uh, at two different occasions Asian roommates who also made sure rice was around all the time. We used to have just rice cookers going, so this kind of it's one of those. As soon as I smell it, I like know where I was at any given moment. The last time I smelled it, but oh yeah, oh yeah. That is, it's got the the crispness of like a Bud Light when you take that first mouthful, and uh, but the flavor of it starts out a little mild. That that sort of rice undertone, um, that sort of clean, crisp finish on the back end. This thing, I could drink a hundred of these. This is, it's like a rice smoothie. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do. Really appreciate a nice lager of Pilsner and uh, rice lagers for whatever reason, which is fantastic. Now, <clears throat> you've had sake, I'm sure. Yes. It's a, it's a rice liqueur. Uh, I cannot crush sake the same way I could crush rice lagers. Just can't. Uh, it depends on the kind. I know there's like a bunch of different variations of it. I don't know if, um, I think I like cold sake better than hot sake. Yeah, I don't. Right, but to me, it's just like, do I pick up a bowl of miso soup and just shoot it? No, no, I'm there to enjoy it. I'm, I wouldn't yeah, think I could do the same good. thing. 
feel pretty good after a couple of those. But you do, yeah. God damn, this is this is. Re- I mean, it goes down like like water, but it has like a f- like the full flavor of a beer. This is this is this might be my favorite beer now. It's that good. It's like uh, more flavorful than like your typical light beer. And this is coming from a guy who always has high life in my fridge. Love a good high life, but man, this thing is. It's like well rounded. It's it's light enough that uh, it does you know it doesn't feel heavy like when you drink a like an IPA, but it's it's got enough flavor in it that you know you're drinking a beer. You're not drinking a a, a Bud Light or Coors Light or anything like that. But it is light, and the fact that it's four point one percent, you could honestly drink like a twelve pack of these. This is so good. Uh, here's here's my problem with the scoring though. Right, like I feel like we have to hold different style beers to different standards. Like, is this the best tasting beer I've ever had in my entire life? Nope. But in terms of lagers and refreshing, crisp flavor, it's the one of the best lagers I've ever had. So, how do we do? I just put on the same one through five scale, oh, yeah. or do we yeah. got to look at yeah. it? We're not we're not doing sliding scales, Tim, because that's bullshit. That's what you said. No, not sliding scale. But am I saying like if this if we're rating like lagers, this is like a a Four seven. Four, okay, eight. give it a four seven then. You won't. But it's man. See, you know, I knew it. yeah, I knew I'll, it. I'll give this a four seven. Oh, okay. I'll give it a four seven. All right. If I went anywhere and this was on the shelf or in the bar, I would be, I, I would be very hard pressed not to order it. Now, again, it isn't, it, it isn't the same bold flavor you get from like an IPA or another full bodied beer, but. Man, I I can't get over how like clean and crisp that is. I would I would, yeah, four seven. That was it. I think it's the highest rated beer I've had so far. <laughs> I would agree. Shout out to Angry Chair and Fox Farm because you just got beat by a rice logger behind the shed. I know. Am I wait? Am I am I over IPAs? Is that what just happened? <laughs> look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I'm a rice logger drinker now. <laughs> All righty, that's that's pretty good. <clears throat> now I'm gonna put this. Clearly in front of the camera, so you can see this. In fact, I'm gonna put it in front of my face, so I know oh, yeah, you can there see it. Is. Yeah, I can see. Look it at now, this. Yeah. This is called Beautiful. "Riding for the Feeling" by Resident Culture Brewing Company out of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's an Italian pilsner hopped with Hellertau, Middlefra, German Sapphire, and Hirschbrucker hops. Got to be honest, I've heard of Hellertau. That's the only hop I've ever heard of this thing. But Italian pilsners, that was a uh, a beer style that was sort of just like one that came out of trial and error and dry hop pilsners <clears throat> i happen to like quite a bit because for me mm-hmm. i get the punch of an ipa but i don't yep. get all the calories or the heavy feeling in the stomach so you can still drink a few of these your breath smells like absolute weed but about 350 less calories per can which you know as your boy's not running that much these days i could definitely use a couple of those so resident culture one of those massively hyped breweries in charlotte north carolina if you ever get a chance to go down there you definitely should um they're they're great their ipas are good they make great lagers and uh and other ales and all of their can art is very very abstract and weird the neatest thing you go to charlotte whether you're a big uh biking fan or not there's a nice trail and along that trail there's like four or five breweries and it's like a good i think like 20 25 mile trail so you just kind of go down there hop on a bike or walk if you're an absolute sadomasochist uh, and you just feel like doing 20 miles on the feet. And 
you just pop into these breweries, get a couple pints, hop back on the bike, go down the road. Not that I would advocate for, you know, drinking and driving or getting a DUI on a bike, but you, you have a couple of these five percenters. And I don't think that's going to happen. You'll sweat it out. It's pretty good. So <clears throat> first smell, very, very weedy. I like it a lot. And down the hat she goes. Shut up, phone. Okay. Very good. I get a little bit of grassiness at the end. It's not as pungent as I thought it would be, but it's pretty good. It's definitely not the best beer I've had from them. So I know I know you're going to be thinking this is this is going to be crazy, but um, I will actually give this. I'll give this a three seven. It's good. It's drinkable. Um, I get the feeling by the well, time I get to the end of it, it's not going to be. Why wouldn't I like that? Well, because you said I'm, I won't believe it. Yeah, you probably would. Like a reasonable it. score. <clears throat> it's it's pretty good. I just you know sometimes when you you pop into a beer and you kind of get that that musty taste. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? It's mm-hmm. not. I don't think it's the beer necessarily. I think it might be like the can or something like that. Because um, sometimes on the on the outside of the can, you get like some weird. Weird gunk that's like battled up. So I didn't clean the can. I just cracked it. Let me take a I've second. never cleaned the can. So I don't know what you're talking about. And now I don't taste it. Weird. This is like Inception. <clears throat> yeah, I'm still going to give it a 3 7. I think it's, okay. it, it's, it's pretty good, all things considered. I definitely like, um, I like Italian pilsers. The only, the only noticeable thing that is difficult about them is that there is a very pronounced alcohol bite. In Italian pilsers because of how hoppy they are. Um, so you're not going to be able to fool anyone and be like, oh, I only had a couple of Miller Lights. Like, if you have an Italian pilsner, when you open your mouth to talk to someone, people are like, you either just hit a one hitter or you drank a four pack of, of <laughs> Italian pilsers. You did one of the two things. Uh, and it's never a good idea to talk to a law enforcement officer with an Italian pilsner in your system. So that's what I'd say about that. Allegedly. Fair enough. Allegedly. I, I wouldn't know anything about the one hitter. Me neither. Generate. <laughs> All right. Let's get into these games, Tim. I I know that at the end, you're probably not going to go easy on the Sunday night football, whatever. But I think this was a bad week for picks for you. Uh, I think you came back down to earth a little bit. All right. Look, I got nowhere to go but up because I've been rock bottom just sticking it four or five picks a single week. And look, I did the same thing again. I'm going to stop picking with my heart, though. And I'm just going to start being hot takey. And uh, I think maybe that's how I'll start, you know, kind of getting some of these picks to get back into the thing. Because you thought you were going to end this week clearly in the lead. And you stumbled. And you only... Oh, no, 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 no. You only got one extra than you had on me last week. No, 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 no. That's totally think I did not think I was going to uh, come out on top. I thought I was going to blow a bunch of these games because you gave me all, like, the, the evenly matched pairs this week. What didn't happen is I got a lot of these wrong. I ended up getting only two of them wrong. So I still have not had a week in which I have had less than five right. So, yeah. boom. Get, look, we, we still have another 12, 12 weeks of football. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a long way to go. There's a long there's way to go. There's a long way to go. Injuries are piling up everywhere. Oh, so yeah. Let, why, let, why don't you start us off Thursday night football, Bucks eagles Yeah. This is a, a team that. Yeah, is sort of a example of what I was just talking about. Injuries are 
continuing to pile up for the Bucks. Four of their starters were out, and their shiny or maybe not so shiny new toy and Sherman out of the game for this one uh, off of the very first drive. Got to be a big red flag. Guy just comes back. You take a chance on him. He gets injured literally in the first drive. So, eh, not sure what's going on there. But uh, their pass rush, pass rush has been able to keep them in a lot of these games. Um, that and a uh, a fellow by the name of uh, Tom Brady. Mm. He's playing like he's still in his prime. He had a two more touchdowns uh, on the season. He was only three yards shy, four yards shy of his four 300-plus game this season. The man has 17 touchdowns and only three interceptions for the entire season so far. That is incredible. And on a team that has a banged-up defense pretty much from, like, week one. He's basically gone out there and come up with a game plan to start grinding out some of these games where the secondary uh, does not look great. He's literally carrying the team. Jalen Hurts gave his best effort, but just too many holes in that offense on that side of the ball. Hopefully, as the schedule loosens up a little bit, There'll be some time to kind of figure some of those out. I really think this is something that they're going to have to start looking towards in maybe the offseason. They're putting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he was responsible for like 80 plus of the yard, 80 plus percentage of, of the yards total, both in the air and on the ground. That's He's not that kind of quarterback. He's not going to get it there. They need to get the running game going a little better. They need to find ways to be a little bit more creative. Um, until he gets a little bit more under his belt. But it was way closer than I thought it was going to be. 28-22, still a pretty fun game to watch. But the Bucks, they just keep on finding ways to win. It, it was <clears throat> was pretty nice to watch that game and just be like, oh, look at that. Might, might get some good fantasy points out of it. All right, I had the London-England, second London game. I picked the Jags. I said they're going to get their first win. Boom. First dub. Trevor Lawrence and the first pick dub of the week for me. Let's go. Though the Dolphins tried to win this game until about the fourth quarter. And then they just stopped giving a shit. That's the only way. I mean, I watched it. It was incredible. And then it just turned into you're really going to allow the Jags to win this game. All right. It's like you're just like poking them with a stick. Like, can you do something? And the Dolphins were like, nah, fam. We're, we're good. Jalen Waddle, two touchdowns, return for Tua. But they lost to the Jags. Jags, who went two for three on fourth down, but had more sacks against them, turnovers, and penalties, and had less time of possession. And they still won this game. Uh, they should not have won it. But we have to give a shout-out to Matthew Wright, who has been off and on Jacksonville's practice squad and then signed a contract on Saturday before going to London. Um, he's been doing with the veteran kicker, Josh Lambeau, off and on. They've been going on practice squad. Lambo's missed some kicks. He's missed some time with a personal uh, issue. Matthew Wright has missed some kicks. Um, and on Sunday, he tied the game in the fourth quarter and then won the game with one second left on the clock from 54 yards out both times. And the first kick was not going to go in. You know, you see sometimes kickers, like, they'll angle their kick so it goes out and sort of comes in. That This was a perfect textbook play of that. It should not have worked. He kicked it, and it looked like it was going so far right. And then, eek just came back in and dipped right in the uprights. And I think mm -hmm. they gave the team a little bit of juice. But Trevor Lawrence, one of those huge fourth downs, he just found LaVishka Chenault, 
He found Agnew. He found guys. James Robinson was getting it going all day. He converted that fourth down to put right in the same position to kick a field goal that he already made. And when Urban Meyer sent him out there, he's got his hands on his knees. He's like, are we going to do this? And then the kick goes through the uprights. All the players are rushing on the field because they know they finally have gotten the monkey off their back. And all Urban Myers could just raise his hands up and like look like in complete shock, like this happened. Yes, if you trust your players, they can win games for you. Maybe you should ride on the plane with them next time. Because I, you know, that that flight from London is a long way back, so I'm sure he rode the plane with them this time. <laughs> but good for the Jags, man. I again, they're not going to win a lot of games this season, but they won this one. And if you're Miami, <laughs> one in five, then nah, this is this is not good. You leverage the farm. To go get Tua, you got all these picks, and you ain't doing nothing with them. Uh, I'm very surprised. Very surprised by this. But, hey, Jags win. Hmm. All right, I got Chiefs, uh, the Washington football team. <clears throat> I think what's happening is that we've gassed up uh, all of these crazy passes that Mahomes has been throwing. He's kind of gotten a little too carried away, and it's making him a little sloppy. Like, he had another one this week where he – scrambled back, avoided a sack, went out to the right, and then just flung it left, and it ended up perfectly in the arms of, I, I think it was Hill on his way across. It was a beautiful pass. Unfortunately, he has 18 touchdowns on the season with all the weapons that he has, but with those, he has eight interceptions, and it seems like that is becoming a trend. And a lot of those have come from really, really bad decisions. And I think it's because he's gotten so used to being able to find ways to get the ball in situations where, uh, you know, it looks somewhat improbable. It's kind of forcing his hand. He's trying it a little too much. He's had some bad luck with some deflections, which, in my opinion, I think deflections should be called something other than an interception because you're not. You and Mahomes, well, you're not. You're not intercepting the ball. The ball is being deflected into your general direction and you're catching the ball. That's should be different. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> their defense is still struggling to pull their shit together. The turnovers are just a major burden. And if your defense can't carry the weight of that, it's just a recipe for disaster. So they need to start stringing a few of these games together if they want to turn out or if they want to turn the season around. Otherwise, that hill might become just a little bit too steep to climb. Uh, you can't, I mean, you, you can't count them out as long as you have Patrick behind center. Like, let's be honest. And Washington is, is Washington. You knew going into this game, what to expect with the season they've had the last few off seasons. It's kind of been just a dumpster fire. You thought, you know, Fitzpatrick coming in was going to be their saving grace, but you know, him getting injured and, uh, Taylor Heineke having to come in. Heineke. I, I don't know why I always want to say Heineke. Tyler mm-hmm. Heineke uh, kind of being thrust into that role hasn't really helped him. He was ill-prepared. Like a lot of the guys you're starting to see, you know, the Justin Fields of the world, the guys who are just being put into starting positions long before they're even ready. Um, there's no run game to speak of. Their rookie receiving core has been super inconsistent. Something has to give. I don't think it's this season. Uh, I, I, we're, 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 in for, <laughs> we're in for a very long season if you're a Washington football fan. They drop another game, 31-13. Oh, boy. <clears throat> I, I got a little frog in my throat because I pretty much lost my voice Sunday night uh, in Heinz Field. But uh, Rams, Giants. 
the Giants looked like they had this for about 20 minutes. They actually held the Rams to zero points, and they, they had a field goal. It's like through most of the first quarter. I was like, what the hell is this? In the second quarter, you come back from the TV commercial break, and uh, the defense was on 51st dates. I'm not really sure what happened because they gave up 28 points in the second quarter alone. It was murder she wrote from there. They, was ne- they were never coming back from that. Cooper Cup, 130 yards, two touchdowns on nine receptions. Just did whatever the hell he wanted. Uh, the Rams capitalized on four Giants turnovers, three of those being interceptions, and they only ran two for 11 on third down. The Rams gave zero fucks about actually trying to play organized football after the second quarter. They were just attempting to make it look like they were doing something on the field. Stafford only threw 28 passes. He connected on 22 of them. Four touchdowns, 251 yards, one pick. Daniel Jones just lobbing up ducks to the other team. It's like the Salvation Army. He's just giving them away. Fantastic. I have really serious questions about what this Giants team is trying to do because I'm noticing a trend here with some of these teams that they attempt to leverage uh, their future by tanking for picks, and then they get a skill player like Saquon who was not in this game, and they had 15 rushing yards. I mean, it's just atrocious. Like you, You've got to be able to build the team in different areas, and Dave Gettleman, who's the, the general manager of the, the New York Giants, like, what is he doing? How can you trot Daniel Jones out there week after week after week and be like, this is our guy? What, because he, he won one game against a team where he rushed 90% of the time? He can't be that guy forever. You have to have a zig and a zag in the NFL. And the team, the Giants, they just spend more time fighting each other and their coaches and against the rules than they do fighting for each other and actually on the field. Incredible to me that the Giants look remotely in control of this game for like a second. Uh, because this game was like more of a mirage. You you see like why these players were drafted, and then they just completely revert back to the norm and get steamrolled, and then they become the team that the Giants have been forever, which is you've won 10 games in the last like two seasons. Something, something absurd. It's like absolutely insane. You're like, your winning percentage is like two point, no, it's like point two fifty or something. Like, that. like it's absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. And Saquon Barkley, also known as Mr. Glass, the man who cannot stay healthy or on a field. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Texans Colts. Uh, finally, I have been saying that he is due for a win. Uh, Carson Wentz finally shakes the monkey off his back. The Texans this season are the get right team for every other struggling team and that any struggling team needs to face. Davis Mills came crashing back down to earth. Mills definitely is not the worst quarterback on on any team right now, but he doesn't have enough to carry a team, especially a dysfunctional team, and that's the only thing you can call the Washington football team. Or sorry, the the Texans. The the Texans are just a dumpster fire. Um, for Indy, if they get the running game going, they have a chance to put a few more at least of this kind of game together and come out and find some success. Uh, it only took 11 passes and two touchdowns, but Jonathan Taylor was a, an animal in this game. He's quickly making a, a case for being the RB1 for this team. Uh, he's still being somewhat limited in play calling for whatever reason. Hopefully that changes somewhat soon because he had two rushing touchdowns on this one. Each week he seems to get more involved and his production continues to climb. 
maybe this starts the momentum that the Colts need, uh, starts to maybe turn their season around, hopefully, but they're up against some, uh, some, some good talent with the Niners coming up and then the Titans the week after that. The Colts take their first win, 31-3, to but again, it is going up against the Texans. I don't know if this is when you kind of hang your hat on, but sometimes you just need uh, a little turn or a little something to kind of to get right, and hopefully this is a get-right game for them. I I want to I want to believe in the Colts, but I I just can't at the moment. <clears throat> just you know what that was that was that was also a, a pick I got right. Oh whatever. Oh uh, Tim, do you have time yeah. to talk about our Lord and Savior uh, Joey Burrows? I think yeah, you let's, do. Let's about it. Yeah, I think you do. You said the hashtag Let Joey Burrow campaign was over. It ain't over. It ain't mm-hmm. over till uh, Jared Goff sings, which he's he's not good at doing. Um, he's just not good anyways. Like, this is insane to me. Jared Goff almost won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He connected on maybe one of those passes of Brandon Cooks. Maybe it was a, was it maybe a, a 13-10 at a Super Bowl instead of a 13-3 Super Bowl between them and the Patriots. That's just wild to me. Goff threw 42 times on Sunday against the Bengals. Connected on 28 of them for, wait for it, 202 yards. This man threw 30 times and only compiled 202 yards and a pick. And 75 of those 202 yards went to TJ Hawkinson on eight receptions. So really, 20 of those passes went for like 100 yards. It's like five yards a clip. That just, oh, very terrible. Joe Mixon, long been injured, catches a receiving touchdown, gets a rushing touchdown. Jamar Chase and the Joey Burrow connection is there. Everyone was like saying in the preseason, look, they're not connecting all this stuff. Come on, man. They're they're absolutely fine. The Bengals are three and two. They're the clear number two in the AFC North right now, easily. And I would love to see what they're going to do against the Ravens to see how much of a a big step forward this team has taken. But Zach Taylor's coaching his ass off. Joey's believing that he can make plays with the players, um, and that the defense is doing what they need to do. And it's, it's very difficult to shut out a team, any team in the NFL. But the Bengals defense did it for three quarters. And then they allowed 11 points from Goff in the end. But let's be honest, he didn't even throw a touchdown. It was, it was, it was a rush touchdown. It's, it's just very difficult to do that. And that game was almost a shutout, which I think would have said more about the fact that Dan Campbell is in a really tough position as a first-year head coach. You, you get a quarterback like Goff. You think that there's a ceiling. You think you can scheme around him. But it's very clear to me now that whatever McVeigh did with Goff was an absolute crazy job. Because there's no way you just go to another team and the talent just drops off completely, like in the way that we're seeing. I, I just can't get over the fact that you throw 42 times, connect to 28 for 202 yards. I, I feel like I could do better, and I, and I can't throw the ball to you, save my you, life. You, you could do better. No, I, I don't. I don't think I can do much better, but I, I think I probably. This was a this was a race walking competition. You might you might have a chance. Uh, that's enough out of you, Tim. That's enough. Look, this <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. Thirty four eleven Bengals. Joey didn't even play a lot of meaningful minutes in the fourth quarter, and I I just remember watching on the screen like, who the fuck is that dude in for the Bengals? It's not Joey. And I'm like, yo, we're already at the point in the season where the Bengals are are benching their. Their quarterback is saying, "Hey, take the rest, take the rest of the game off. Let's let someone else go, and uh, and put put some points up on this team." I mean, I wouldn't recommend it going forward. 
you know, in plenty of times. Like, definitely you want to do that towards the end of the season. But I think it's a really good thing for the Bengals that this is where they're at now. Uh, and, Tim, the Joy Roar movement is coming to, soon to a city near you, and I think you're just going to have to you have to get on board. I mean, they're 4-2. and two. Let's three and two. a little bit. Yeah, 3-2. and two. Well, some teams are 2-4, and four, Tim. They're 4-2 they're and two after this win. It's week six, dude. Uh, you're right. Four and two. All right, so you you wouldn't win in a a quarterback competition or a math competition. That's fine. The Lions are zero uh, six, and, <laughs> and what I'll say about that is, do I think they go zero and seventeen to be the only team to go zero and sixteen and zero and seventeen? Strong possibility. Uh, Brandon Allen, the quarterback you were talking about, came in, uh, threw one pass, had one completion for seven yards. There you go, and it was a touchdown. Boom. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I had Packers and Bears, and um, breaking news here on the Stats Don't Matter podcast: Aaron Rodgers is about to get canceled. Canceled. The the, the, the PC group—they're coming for him. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently, everything he said uh, after the game um, was was triggering and offensive, and it bothered everybody. Now he's okay. He's probably not going to get canceled, but. He was letting fans know at the end of this game. Uh, supposedly, he looked up and saw a fan giving him uh, double birds. If you don't know what those are, uh, two middle fingers. Into uh, which his response was, "All my life, I've owned you. I still <laughs> own you." Uh, <laughs> uh, to which he is not wrong. Um, and now everybody's finding reasons to be offended by it because that's what you do in in twenty twenty one. You got to be bothered by everything. Uh, is what it is. Uh, Chicago was missing their best running backs, though. They were relying on uh, Khalil Herbert to carry all of the workload, and surprisingly enough, it did keep in it for a while. Justin Fields just couldn't keep it going. Ultimately, they failed to convert enough third downs in this one. They put themselves in positions to find some success, but ultimately kept turning the ball back over to the Packers. Not a team you want to go into a war of attrition with. By the time this one was over, though, the Packers are out a total of nine starters now. They had a couple more injuries this weekend. Uh, it's going to be harder and harder for them to overcome a lot of these injuries, but this seems to be the case across the league. This is not the only team we have discussed injuries and, and impact on the field, but the Packers are one of those teams that are starting to look a little bit more exposed to, to some of those. They they did win this one 24-14, but that is a big question mark uh, going forward. Anytime you beat a division opponent, I think it's I think it's ultimately a good thing. But uh, all right, Chargers Ravens, I got this pick wrong. And man, did I get this wrong. I, I generally thought you you go and you put up 40 plus points on the Browns, you're gonna be able to handle yourselves against one of the league's other prolific offenses. But it's very clear to me that whatever um, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, thought about when he came into this game, he said, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at this guy, and I'm going to see if he can blink. And if he blinks, I know we got him. And that's what happened. Uh, the Chargers scored six points in the second quarter. They, they, they didn't do anything the first, the third, or the fourth. They tried, but there was a shocking report that came out before the game that um, the Ravens have been shopping all their running backs, that they've been signing to the active roster like Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, um, and who was that? Oh, Devonta Freeman. And everyone is like, this is a nightmare for fantasy because you have no idea who to start. And then all three of them scored a rushing touchdown today. It was just, I was like, what? What is going on here? Now, Mark Andrews, again, 
Safety blanket uh, for Lamar, 56 yards, a touchdown as well. I was very, very surprised. Uh, it's not often you see a team get shellacked like that, especially a team that's as good as the Chargers are. I don't know if this is just like it was an early morning, you know, 10 a.m. West Coast time game for them because it was a, it was the 1 p.m. game. I don't know if they just maybe didn't expect the 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 Ravens to come out the way that they did, but uh, it's very clear to me that this season the Ravens are one of those teams that if if you didn't gas them up in the preseason. Don't bother hopping on the hype train now. It's it's far, far ahead of you. And I, I mean, I agree with it. The Ravens have been a decent team in the NFC for a long time, but there's always been a, hey, you can figure out Lamar. You can shut him down. You can force him to do this. And I would say through six games this year, Lamar has run a ton. Lamar has a game where he's thrown a ton. And now the Ravens have a game where they nearly shut out an opponent. Uh, they're looking like one of the most complete teams in the AFC, if not the NFL right now, which is not where I would have thought coming into the season at all. I would have been like, are they a top five team in the AFC? Yes. Are they a top five team in the NFL? Yes. But are they the best team in the NFL? I would have said no. And while I'm hesitant to give them the outright, you know, best team in the NFL moniker, they've certainly surprised me. Um, so I'm going to have to be very careful if I get any of these games going forward with the Ravens in them because if you're down 19, Lamar can bring you back. You get up big, Lamar can just keep burying the opponent. Um, are you worried about a prolific offense? Don't. The defense will do its job. It's done it now against two MVP candidates this season in Mahomes and Herbert. So if he can do that, I'm not really sure that I can pick against them uh, as a scaredy cat for the rest of the season because they've already shown me they can play a complete game multiple times. So I don't know, man. I, I think, I think ultimately I'll still be okay picks wise by the end of the season, but I've, I gotta. I might have to make two teams I never pick against again. That might be the Ravens and the Bucks. Man, I uh, I need to go back and find that podcast that said I would take Lamar over Patrick if I was looking at like pure talent and and some of the the threat because I, I faltered a little bit on that last year and I think everybody did because of the way Lamar looked. But this season is kind of. You know, obviously, it's going to go back and forth a lot, and we never know what's going on with with Mahomes. But, but Lamar is literally carrying that team right now, one hundred percent carrying that team. Yep, he has uh, almost nobody to throw to. Everyone's banged up, and he's like, "Don't worry, guys, I got this. I'll just whatever I need to do this game. I'll run everywhere. I'll throw it everywhere. This is this is nuts." But anyway, uh, Vikings. Panthers, this is one I did get wrong, and this is one I was talking about earlier. I said last week, without McCaffrey, they were in a lot of trouble. At that point, McCaffrey was still listed as questionable, and I thought, okay, maybe he'll come back. I know there was some back and forth, but I had to hold out because if he came back and he was healthy, uh, there's like a 40-point QBR QBR rating difference for Sam Darnold when he's on the field versus when McCaffrey is not on the field. So, this game was close enough without McCaffrey. If he had McCaffrey, I think it would have been drastically different. But <sighs> McCaffrey was not there. So, obviously, the obvious happened. Uh, he has actually been added to the IR now, so he'll be out for a couple weeks. But Sam Darnold was truly horrendous without him. He was 17-41. of 41. He only had 207 yards in 41 attempts. He had one touchdown. One interception, 
plus the last fumble. Cousins, he had some success, stumbled towards the finish line. Again, that seems to be sort of the the moniker for the Vikings. They come out strong, or or at least they come out, and in the middle portion of the game, they turn it around, they put a lot of pressure on, and then towards the end of the game, they kind of falter a little bit, give up some big plays, miss some of their own big plays, leave the door open for a lot of teams to come in and take the game. But thankfully, all they had to worry about was uh, Sam Darnold on the other team because they made it a lot easier for them. And with McCaffrey being out, like I said, this does not bode well for them. They drop another game, 34-28. to 28. Vikings looking like an okay team. Kirk Cousins can uh, stay consistent and find ways to continue putting pressure on in the final quarter, and then the, especially the last half of the of, of the fourth. They might start pulling out some of these games. They're a 500 team now, so you never know what happens uh, going forward. Cardinals-Browns, if, if I have a bad pick, i got to have another bad pick, and I picked two upsets, and I got them both wrong. I said, oh, Murray's shoulder's hurt. Oh, the coach has COVID. He's not going to be playing this game. No coach. Murray, valuable player of the year. Don't need their damn coach, Tim. 228 yards, four TDs. Shoulder looks just fine to me, Doc. Hey. I think the Browns, on paper, look like they have a great squad. You got Kareem Hunt, you got Nick Chubb, you had Landry, you have OBJ, and you got you got a guy that likes to sling the ball. So you think, nah, as long as the defense holds up, they should be okay. They play in a tougher division, but they should be okay. The Browns started 3-0. They have lost the last three. And every time they lose a game, it's like it gets worse for them. Um, Nick Chubb didn't play this game. Injury. Kareem Hunt didn't finish this game. Injury. Uh, one is same, same injury, actually. Right. You know what I mean. And that makes you think, like, what's the what's the trainer's role in this? Like, is it is it truly a football injury, or is there a rehab? Is there a conditioning injury? Something that's there, right? Odell back for a couple weeks now. No, no real noticeable presence whatsoever. Landry due to come back, but I mean Donovan Peoples Jones, Dearness Johnson. These are the names you're going to have to get used to hearing because they're the only people that Mayfield can connect with. And Mayfield has dislocated his, his shoulder. I don't know if it's his throwing shoulder or his non-throwing shoulder. It's happening back-to-back games now. Now he's popped it back in and he said, oh, it hurts like hell. But he has a partially torn labrum that he went through on one of his other shoulders. I mean, you're playing with fire here. He's actually not going to play this Thursday night football game. Uh, so. Every loss that the Browns have just puts them further and further behind the bell curve. And I think it's a very, very bad look for a team that we we all thought was going to be much better. Now, on the other side, I don't know that I can d- d- praise tons uh, and tons for the Cardinals. You didn't have a, the head coach there, but there is a lot of continuity in that building. The veterans, the veterans that they signed is, is what's the surprising part to me. It's almost like Cliff. Kingsbury and Steve Kime took something that the Patriots have been known for doing for years, which is take some of those players who might be older, players who aren't going to get those massive contracts again, but you can get them on a one-year deal or two-year deal. You can be fairly flexible with the cap money, and you get a chance to get a lot of veteran talent on the team, and it's paying off for you. AJ Green is having a career resurgence. Stop me if you thought that was going to be a thing, and if you put a prop bet on it before the season, you're a fucking liar. Uh, JJ Watt, helping this team out. Absolutely helping this team out. 
James Conner doing what he needs to do to keep grinding away in the running game. If Murray is ever going to look mortal, a defense is going to have to stop him from finding DeAndre Hopkins for two touchdowns every single game. Because the way this dude is going, he's just lighting the league on fire right now, and I'm not sure there are going to be too many teams that can stop them. I, I got to hand it to the Browns. They attempted to put up a fight, but after the second quarter, the wheels completely fell off, and they were not the same for the rest of the game. And, and I don't know. If, if they take a look back at this season and they, they think, where did everything go wrong? I, if I'm a betting man, I'm pointing to this game because they came in. They should have been a little bit a little bit more aggressive, I think, in some of the things that they, they want to do in this game because you didn't score nothing in the first quarter. They scored 16 in the second quarter. You scored 14. Back-to-back touchdowns for Donald Peoples-Jones. He had 100 yards, and he disappeared the rest of the game. It was like the halftime adjustments that the Cardinals made was just enough to just snuff out whatever drive the Browns wanted to do. And again, the Browns are one of those teams right now who's so injured that they can't zig when they need to zag and vice versa. So I feel bad for the Browns, man, but hats off to the Cardinals. All right, Raiders, Broncos. This is another <laughs> one I, I got incorrect because this one this one surprised me. Uh and I'd say I was, you know, pleasantly surprised with this one. With a first time head coach, a new play caller, I thought emotions and all of the changes were gonna come through and, and, and prove to be a little too much for the Raiders to overcome. Anybody uh who hasn't heard of John Gruden's departure must either not have a television or radio or live under a rock or not be an NFL fan. Everyone kind of knows what's gone on there. Um, I thought coming into that, that shake up the emotional impact of some of those players that are on that team who may have been subject to some of that. I thought there might be a lot going on, but you know, it, it, it surprised. I think a lot of people, they came out and they played incredibly well. Uh, the Broncos and their defense, they still look terrible. They have almost zero pass rushing whatsoever. Uh, Derek Carr put up another, you know, 300-plus game with 341 yards. He had two touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater, bit of a rough afternoon, three touchdowns, three picks. If you're going to give the ball up that much, you need to be able to rely on your defense to make some stops. Ultimately, they couldn't do that. Von Miller has been a little bit of a non-factor for a lot of these games. Uh, I know he came out and said, I don't care what tackle I'm matched up against. I'm killing him coming into this week. So he's finding some momentum. But he's one of those, you know, he's, I don't want to say he's old, but he's older in terms of the league. And you kind of wonder if guys like him and J.J. Watt are are slowly hitting that, you know, now they're coming in and they, they, they have plays they're brought in for, specific plays because they want to save their stamina or their strength or whatever it is. but. Von Miller doesn't, in my opinion, feel to be quite the same threat as uh, as he once was. Um, Denver, they got to make some changes on the defensive side, especially with pass rushing if they hope to to do anything. Carr still playing like an animal. Um, I don't know if I'd put him in the MVP candidate yet, but I, I think he's at least sitting in the ballpark, right? I don't think anybody anticipated him or the Raiders coming out and playing as well as they are. Um, I know they're four and two, but they've been a much better looking team than I think even four and two indicates. Um, having to go through a lot of the adversity that they've gone through, I think if he continues on with some of the success, it's you know I know they're going to base it off of records, and it's not going to be him. It's going to be Kyler Murray or Tom Brady or you know somebody. But I think there's 
something needs to be paid attention to if at the end of this season he continues playing as well as he has. But ultimately, uh, Raiders come out strong, take this one 34-24, and the Broncos continue to kind of find their identity. Which is identity theft. That's what they're finding. (laughs) (laughs) Cowboys Patriots, like I said, that Bill was going to find a way to limit, but I I just believe that this is the Cowboys and they were going to take it. Now, the the first thing that came out after this game was all the hot takes about Bill not trusting his quarterback, um, which is wild because he's a first-year rookie quarterback. Of course, Bill Belichick is going to limit what his rookie quarterback does. You do have some concerning questions, though, because like there was the pick, but then he immediately decides to get back out there and find Kendrick Bourne on a slant pass for 75 yards to the house. Very aggressive. You like you like to see those sorts of things, but there are some concerning calls by both coaches in this game, especially about being too conservative. Anyways, given the situation, I'm not sure it's analytics. You know, Mike McCarthy supposedly spent a lot of time learning about analytics uh, his year out of the league. I think Bill probably knows more about analytics than he lets on. But the Cowboys, a couple times, they go for on fourth down in their own territory, and then on fourth down in the Patriots territory, they kick a field goal. They kick a field goal after taking a timeout, like going right into the half. And then like towards the end of the game, there were just a lot of things that I felt like the Cowboys did not need to do in this game uh, because Dak went the fuck off for 445 yards. Um, I think this is probably one of the biggest gashings of a Bill Belichick defense I can remember in recent memory. It was pretty bad. Uh, CD's two touchdowns and a buck 50 yards was incredible. But I think to me, Dallas really should have won this game more handily. I mean, they had 32 first downs in New England, 17. The way this game was going back and forth, like they were just trading punches, and clearly the Patriots weren't going to be able to keep up, but I think the Cowboys never went for the absolute kill shot until it, until it got down to the end. I mean, but they were two for four on fourth down. I, I just don't understand how some of that stuff didn't work out. I mean, I think the only reason the Patriots were in this game is, is penalties, right? Dallas had 12 penalties for a buck 15. Uh, Zeke complimentary he was running he wasn't he didn't go over 100 yards tony pollard didn't go over 100 yards but this is a very balanced and complete uh offense right now not defense because for mac jones to be able to carve him up uh and kind of get some scores out there and and be able to maybe enforce the game to ot uh that that's pretty crazy but i think we've got to give the cowboys some due here um you know usually at this point in the season there would have been a key injury there would have been a, a big defensive falling off and right now, what we are seeing is a bit of complimentary football. Dak is clearly a dark horse candidate for MVP. Um, and I think if he doesn't get comeback player of the year, it's an absolute travesty because of what he's come back from within the last year. But I think this team is a much different team. And I don't know if the hard knock season that we got was just like, they didn't show us all the stuff that we should be seeing. Because clearly, whatever they're doing, they've gelled as a team. Dan Quinn's defense is bend, but don't break. He took it from Seattle, and he's actually finally implementing it in a place. I mean, because it didn't really work well in Atlanta. It's it's doing a lot of good things, and I I'm shocked. I th- I'm feeling pretty damn good about my uh, my pick that the Cowboys are going to win the division because seeing how much ineptitude is in the NFC East and seeing how brilliant the Cowboys are playing right now, especially like a Bill Belichick team. When what was it last year? No, two years ago uh, when they played that game. Uh, you know, before Brady left. No, three years ago. Yeah, when they played that game up in Foxborough during the rain. You thought the Patriots were going to lose. They won that game barely off a kick in the rain. And this is a complete role reversal. 
I like what the Cowboys are doing. I'm not ready to crown McCarthy coach of the year by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, Trevon Diggs, seven picks now. Mm. Like he, he is, for me, the, the runaway defensive player of the year. Uh, it's just incredible. Now, a couple of those interceptions have been ugly, tipped passes or deflected passes. But you still have to go and find the ball when it, when, it, when it pops up in the air. You still have to have a nose for it. You still have to make plays. And to have as many pick sixes and picks as he does, um, mm-hmm. ab, like other teams in the NFC East need to be absolutely scared if they're not already. Yeah. The only thing I'll say uh, Patriots-wise is one thing to consider is they're down like seven of their primary starters. And many of them are in their secondary. So they're going to get gashed by any team that could potentially put together a pass but man they called so many penalties in that game yeah and then missed a blatant either hands to the face or face mask on that third and five uh in overtime like every single person in the entire stadium saw that and it went uncalled that it blew my mind that like there was lots of other ways they should have won that game or put themselves in position to win it. So I won't say that that's, but of all the plays that they missed or would have called, you would have thought that would have been the one, right? Hands that like literally redirect his face even slightly while he's going up for a ball in overtime and you don't call it. That's, that's, that's insane. Insane. The, I get it. The league is finally biased against Bill Belichick. Oh, oh my God! Years. There was there was literally somebody on Facebook talking about, oh, this game is this game is fixed the whole time because the Pats the the Pats were still in it. I was like, are you are you kidding me right now? Like this is a fixed game. This is what you're calling fixed. It was absurd. Uh, Sidecar. Anyway, uh, Seahawks, baby. Yep. Uh, yep. You they, you no, almost no. lost this pick. You almost lost this pick. I I, I I was feeling pretty good till about um four minutes in overtime of this game. I was feeling I was feeling pretty good. I I agree. And it was a it was a, a a risky pick because I don't have a lot of faith in the Steelers, if I'm being honest. But the Seahawks, man, they showed a little flash in the pan, even without Russell Wilson. Uh they stumbled a bit in the beginning until they ultimately fought back into the game. They forced an overtime. Uh unfortunately their their front line, which we talked about throughout the season being questionable, which is why Russ was, was taking hits, uh, let up a, a, you know, a, a pass rush that caused Gino to have to scramble when he got tackled. It was a strip sack, and uh, it was pretty much in field goal territory at that point anyway. Uh, Steelers just needed to, you know, to move the ball marginally to, to take this one, but Steelers are still going through their up and downs when it comes to consistency. I still don't know how to feel about them. I'm, I, I, in my opinion, while I don't know how to feel about Ben, I think his time has has come. The only reason he hasn't been benched yet, or they haven't started exploring their backup, is because they know that his is last season. Uh, but I mean, he just doesn't look great. He had a decent outing, but. Their defense is they're gonna have to carry this team more than what they're doing now. TJ Watt is doing a lot of that. He's continuing to contribute. He might just throw this team on his back and drag him through some of these wins because Ben is is not the guy right now. I don't know if there's, you know, something going on. I don't know if there's an injury that they're not disclosing. 
Uh, but just in general, he hasn't looked good as of late. This game was a little better, 29 of 40, uh, 229 yards. Not a lot of output for attempting to throw it 40 times. Um, had a touchdown. Unfortunately, did also have a fumble. So uh, kind of a mixed bag from the Steelers. That's been their MO up until this point. It's probably going to continue. Again, they're going to need the Steelers. I mean, they're going to need their defense uh, <laughs> to, to steal to up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Tim. Uh, no, they're going to need. Uh, they're going to need their defense to to continue to carry them until the offense can kind of figure it out. I get it. Ben's old. Maybe it just takes them a little longer to get get warmed up and and get in a groove. Yeah, in a season, like more than six games to get warmed up for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, you know, we got ten more to go. Yeah, right. I I was actually at this game. I went. I went and saw the game with uh with Dan. One of my buddies, longtime Steelers fan, he had actually never seen um, Big Ben play because when we went to a Steelers Bills game a couple of years ago on that Sunday night, it was Duck Hodges that was actually the quarterback then because Ben had gotten injured, right? This is the first time he'd ever seen him play. And I'll be honest, about the first half of that game, I was like, oh, this is over. This is so bad. We're just getting destroyed. Like, this is terrible. Then Pete made his brilliant halftime adjustments. They come out, they're running the ball, good play action passes. They score two touchdowns, and then I'm, the defense is holding them to kicks, and I'm just like, holy shit, are they going to do this? Are they actually going to do this? And it goes to OT, and everyone's going to say something like, what the hell, the, the game clock should have expired, blah, 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 blah. Look, the, the refs have to handle that. We can't all clock watch and think that we know exactly what's going on. They wanted to review something. It was in the last two minutes. Was it Harry? I mean, yeah, it was kind of weird, but like, you put three seconds back on the clock. The game goes to OT. The Steelers won anyways. I got to say something. Some football franchises, when you go uh, and, and you go to their stadium, you might think that they'll be like, they'll be real dick fans. That's not the case in Pittsburgh. Unless you're like an AFC North like rival team or the Patriots. They're probably not nice to you. But they were super nice to me. And the whole weekend, there's just so much good beer and so much good time in that city. Uh, Seattle wasn't going to win that game. They were an underdog. They came back into it. They made a couple of mistakes. Had they won 23-20, it would have been, whoo, can't believe we pulled that one out. But all things considered, holding a team like the Steelers, who have Najee Harris, they kept him underneath 100 yards. You keep the, like they didn't score touchdowns for the second half of the game. There's a lot to be gleaned from that. that there's no moral victories in football. And especially seeing a, uh, a scoop I can, hear, I can hear, I can hear in your undertone. <laughs> you're going for the moral victory. That's what you're doing. Uh, to, to end on a scoop fumble. Don't lie to me. <laughs> no, it, it, to, and to end on a scoop fumble and have two games and on quarterback errors. Like, you can say that the pick wasn't his fault against the Rams because Tyler Lockett tripped, but come on, dude. You got you to either throw it where your guy can make it or throw it where no one can get it at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, have serious, I have serious questions about what the team's going to do going forward. But all, all in all, a moral victory for me. Not mm-hmm. for the Seahawks. I knew, there it is. It was under. It was under there. I could hear it. It was under the under the bullshit when you scraped it all out. Was those magic mushrooms of moral mm-hmm. victories for for yeah. first man? Real quick, I I thought of this earlier. I wasn't going to say it, but one thing that bothered me the most about Diggs' interception and pick six against the against Mac Jones is that that wasn't it wasn't even like he put himself in a position. It was an overthrown ball in which. Had the ball been thrown correctly, he would have given up a first down. Mm-hmm. But because it was just ahead of the receiver, 
Yep. And he slowed it down because he got his fingers on it and it landed in Diggs' arms and he ran it. They were making such a big deal about you have another to, interception and they're like, you, Oh my god, it's you the, have to you have to complete the pass and, and like, you still oh, have to run all the way to the end zone. Like he had like twenty yards to run. It wasn't like he he, he a pick six, a bunch pick six. Against, I I again how, I don't how wanna, did Tom Brady's career end in I don't the wild wanna, card round against the Titans a couple years ago on a pick six from what like twenty hey, yards out. His career ends have you not well, his Patriots, for the last his, few years? His Patriots career, Tim. Yes, like I'm, I, I'm just saying, it, it takes a lot to be able to corral a ball and and you know take it in for the score. There, I, I agree. If it's like a, a wild redirection or something that's going on, it literally looked like a pass to him <laughs> that had the luxury of being slowed down by a couple fingertips that like that didn't even redirect the ball. He was literally just there, and he had to just go oh like little little tassels. I'm well, just I mean, close hey. my arms and and gone. Which I, again, I don't want him. But if he if the pass wasn't overthrown and he caught that ball. Instead, he gave up a first down and then they c- continue marching down the field and potentially lose that game. But that's not the conversation. He got lucky enough to be in a position where the they, ball got overthrown. If anyway, won, anyway. If, they, if the Patriots had won the game, it'd be completely different. And if Jamal Adams had actually caught the wide open interception ready pass that Ben tossed right to him, uh, this game doesn't go to OT and maybe the Seahawks yeah. win this game. Uh, 24, 21 or something, you know? So who yeah. knows? All right. Anyway, we... after your, after your Steelers Seahawks breakdown, go, go ahead and give us another, uh, Bills <laughs> Titans breakdown. Uh, I told you, this is, this is, this is a, this is a picks win for me this week. Okay. Uh, even though I lost this one, I tried to pick upset. Um, I shouldn't have picked upset. I picked the bills. Uh, look, Tim, you said last year was the Tannehill redemption tour, but this year is the year of the King, uh, King Henry, Derek Henry, if you will. He's already had 10 touchdowns on this year. He's good for one or two eye-popping runs every single game. Um, it's bananas to me that teams still do not understand that Tennessee's scheme is get guys open and block for Henry. When Henry is matched up one-on-one versus a safety or a cornerback, they have to make a business decision. Do I want to live to see the rest of the season, or am I trying to make the tackle? And uh, I don't think most of them... Think twice about it. I think they see Derrick Henry coming full speed at them. They look at the corner and they say, really, dude? I'm in the third level defender and you haven't slowed this guy down yet? Okay. Let me go ahead and attempt to land on one of his legs and just try and slow him down. But it doesn't happen. He had another 76-yard touchdown run in which once he got through the line, he absolutely blew away corners and, uh, and safeties who are supposed to have as much speed as he does. And he just got up and got away from them. He just has this gear that is unbelievable. Um, it's it's pretty ri- pretty ridiculous. So Daniel had his, his time to shine last year. This is obviously Derrick Henry's time. Julio Jones, welcome back. Caught two passes, one fluky off the helmet, like toe tapping play, then promptly re-injured his hamstring. Uh, and when your quarterback doesn't throw a single TD, I guess you have to rely on Old Faithful, which is what Derrick Henry is, because he erupts at will with ease and on a schedule. There was a forward pass that they actually called <laughs> that they were trying to do a lateral, but it ended up being a forward pass. And all the Bills fans are salty. Like, oh, you finally called a forward pass. Yes, we get it. You didn't win that Super Bowl all those years ago. What surprised me the most here about getting, getting this game wrong was the fact that it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then when Josh Allen snuck it on fourth down there, I'm just wondering why they went for the fourth when they should have just went to win the game. I, I don't know what they were thinking in that point. Tennessee obviously stood them up. 
won the game the way that they did. It was a very shocking loss for Buffalo, but Buffalo will learn some things uh, from from this opponent. And if they see each other again in the postseason, it won't be the same. Uh, I, I don't know how the Titans were able to stay in this game outside of Derrick Henry. Um, and if they don't get better on offense soon, they will not get a chance to advance to a potential AFC championship game or a divisional game to to rematch the Bills because they just won't have they won't have it. I mean, AJ Brown came back and he made some playful jokes about the fact that he was sick all week and he blamed it on Chipotle. Like, come on, dude. Chipotle could get me sick right now and I'm going out there and still running routes. Everyone was like focused on they can't stop care, you know, the King Henry. So let's just not even worry about it. And that's what they did. But there are there are very, very few teams. I remember the I I can't remember the last one that's done it, but when a team finds a way to stop Derrick Henry or at least slow him down, get him a touchdown in 100 yards, but not 150 and three touchdowns, that um, you can win the game. And that's why I think the Tennessee Titans, maybe they're just sort of like saying, well, let's get uh, let's get King Heron in another 2,000 yards. Well, that might be great, but it's not going to help you in the postseason. So they did what they had to do here. A nice upset win, especially on Monday night. What a great game. So. Let's look at the total recap of picks here for this week. I got four right, and you got five right. So I'm sitting at a total of 23. You're sitting at a total of 27. Hmm. Pretty good, all things considered. I'm still within striking distance. I could chop away that lead a little bit over here in the next couple of weeks. Agreed. Agreed. I'm not, I'm not going to get cocky. Um, I am just noticing I have all fives across the board and one seven. So, you know. That's good, right? Got to break yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's pretty good, especially when your opponent's only getting four every damn time. Here's my <sighs> sidecar. A uh, little, I'm stepping it up a little bit. No, we're feeling a little loosey goosey. I'm gonna have a little uh, uh, of that forever Idaho from other half. Oh right, right, right. So <laughs> remember when you started the episode saying that you're off the IPA train, and now for the sidecar, you're back on the IPA train. Well, dude, I like that. Uh, I like that crunchy roll enough. I got to save some of those. Mm. Gonna get out and do some yard work tomorrow. I'm gonna crush the last three of those. It's gonna be fantastic. Behind the shatter. You know it. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a shatter. I'm gonna I'm crush that bitch right in the middle of my lawn. Oh boy. I'll send All you right. the I'll send you the security cam footage. Please, <laughs> please don't. Please don't. <laughs> this is not good. All right, let's let's get into uh week seven games. You have the Thursday night game, Tim. Broncos Browns, the battle of the three and the three. Who you got? Uh <clears throat> Baker's not slated to start this game so if he was in broncos even though they they kind of have been showing some some signs of progress still enough gaps there i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go broncos with this one because baker's out uh kareem's out chubb is out obj will probably be out if uh baker's out as well so i got broncos man all right no London game this week. Uh, I got the Sunday 1 o'clock Panthers-Giants. Giants need a new general manager and maybe a new set of coordinators and maybe a new quarterback. Uh, or maybe the Giants need to make a lot more changes than the ones I just listed off there. Because a team like the Giants should not be so sad over the last two seasons. They just shouldn't. They, sh- like, they should have been able to come around at least to 500. Uh, but injuries are destroying this team. Players are getting ejected for throwing punches in games. They throw punches in at each other in training camp, which was a disaster. I'm not even remotely sold on Joe Judge as a coach. Uh, Panthers started hot, then they really sputtered in and out of their last three. They're getting healthy on the defensive side of the ball. But if Big Blue is even able to make any sort of stand in this game, it has to be pressure on the poorest offensive line of the Panthers. 
Because as you said earlier in the episode, when you do that, you get Sam Darnold in happy feet mode and a lot of bad things happen. But if that were to occur, it would be one of the biggest upsets of this week for sure. But the G-Man would have to put together solid, absolutely complimentary football with the offense and the defense and putting it stuff together. I mean, I might sound like I'm on the fence here, but I'm definitely rolling with the Panthers. I got Jets Patriots. Uh, Jets still continuing their offensive struggles, their defensive struggles, pretty much their entire team struggles. The Patriots seem as of late to be figuring it out. Um, you know, they went in, they put up a game against Tampa that could have gone either way. They put up a game against the Cowboys that could have gone either way. I think they're slowly starting to, to figure some things out. They were a couple calls away from winning this game, a couple dropped passes away from winning this game. There are some question marks on the offensive side that they need to to figure out as this goes on. But overall, I think it's all starting to fall in line, and I think that they're slowly becoming the team that we can expect them to be over the next you know few years. The problem is they lost another two players last week due to injury. Got a couple hopefully coming back, but their secondary is so banged up. Uh, you know, you never know who's going to be able to go out and and put up points we saw mills come out and look like a veteran quarterback a couple weeks ago um can't be doing that so i'm gonna go patriots uh, i think this this is one of those that could be like one bad play away from from dropping it to an unfortunate team but uh i'm gonna go patriots all right i got chiefs titans this is a must-win game for the chiefs straight up i mean they handily put away the washington football team but this tip pass interceptions tip just like you were saying it's really the, the definition of doing too much for Mahomes. Uh, and there's going to be a team eventually that's going to find a way to salt away the lead or build the hill up too much they can't overcome. Uh, and there's a couple amazing, unbelievable across-the-body passes in this game, just as there was a, I cannot believe he threw that. I can't believe that got tipped. Uh, the Titans, they just held one of the most prolific offenses of this season on the goal line stuff. And I think we all know that if the Chiefs lose this game, they're not a bona fide Super Bowl contender anymore. Because even at 3-3, three and three, everyone's saying, oh, they're the Chiefs. They're the Chiefs. They have Patrick Mahomes. They can do whatever. You lose this game to the Titans, and I, that narrative changes quite a bit. If I have to, to deal with a team that gets back into the corner and is going to play their asses off, I'm going to give the nod to the Chiefs because they have the personnel, even if they don't necessarily have the defense to be able to do that. And as we saw, the Titans didn't really have the defense until it mattered on a goal line stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go Chiefs in this game. I feel pretty comfortable about it. I hope it's not going to be an upset win again because if the Titans upset the Chiefs and the Bills in back-to-back uh, weeks, then we need to we need to talk about them in a different manner. We need to put some respect on their name. I'm going to keep beating this drum little by little, but all last year, everyone probably thought I was full of shit, had no idea what I was talking about. But I'm not going to say I saw this coming, but I did see that there was going to be a point in the NFL in which they were not going to be the same level of success because as you continue doing the same thing year in and year out, people find ways to figure it out. Now you basically prevent the long ball, force them to throw it underhand, and then just hope you guys can make some tackles. And here they are sitting at three and three in what you just called a must win game. I'm not saying I called it, but I'm saying I might've started planting that seed last year. So anybody out there who heard it and said this Tim Crony kid's full of shit, does he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Remember that. So clearly, <laughs> you think for this game that you're going to pick the underdog. 
Uh, I mean, I, I see the Chiefs. The, the, I can see the Chiefs. Oh, you talking about my pick or the Chiefs Titans game? No, your your pick. Oh, for my pick, I got Washington Packers. It's going to be the Packers. I mean, the oh. Packers have injuries that have been piling up that are ultimately going to end up hurting them. Unfortunately, I don't think the Washington football team is the team that's going to hurt them. Um, they're coming off an emotional ride. Hopefully, this you know being canceled thing doesn't become too much of a distraction because it is actually a conversation now. We had to come out and address it and basically gave the the Chappelle response with people are too soft. And I remember a day when I used to be able to talk and trash talk and fans pay a ticket to come in and say whatever they want. I should at least get to give some of it back playfully, but um, Packers are playing well. They look rough, rough the first few games, even though they were turning out wins. They're back in the W column, five and one on the season. Washington is trying to figure their shit out. So uh, it, I'll pick the Packers most cases anyway, just because of the way they're playing, but especially going up against a team like the Washington football team. Can you just say go Packo one time? I can't because my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and everybody <laughs> else are uh, Pack fans. So I will not go on record saying that. It was almost worth it. All right, Falcons, Dolphins. Man, like I said earlier, I think the Dolphins were big for the fences. You got Tua and all those picks, and they didn't retain one of the best backup quarterbacks. And I, yeah, I get that he's on IR in Washington right now, but he's 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 able to come back. There's not been anything about this Miami team that's ever really worked or clicked, especially this season. Falcons, on the other hand, they seem to be getting it together. Better late than never in that season. I mean, they're clearly the 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 not best team in the NFC South. Uh, Kevin Ridley's back. They just came off a bye. They're 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 healthy. They had that last win in London against the the Jets. And I don't think this gets outright ugly, outright ugly for them versus the Dolphins. But I don't think the Dolphins win this game either. I think the Falcons win by a touchdown. Bengals and Ravens. This one's an interesting one because the Bengals have sort of found ways to win games, but uh, the Ravens have found ways to win more games. Uh, not many. One more, in fact. But in more convincing fashion, and I don't yet have uh, all the same confidence that you do in, in Joe Burrows in Cincinnati. Um, they're getting there. They're looking like a really dangerous team. I'm not confident about this pick, but I do think the Ravens are adding enough momentum that uh, I think they pull this one out. There will come a point where uh, Jackson can't win these games on his own, so his team's going to have to start contributing. This very well may be one of those games. Uh, I just think right now he's too much of a a, a two-dimensional threat with uh, with the foot game and the, the arm seems to be operating at full capacity. So I think as long as that's going on, uh, if their defense can make a few stops, I think they do win this one. This one might be a closer game than I'm comfortable with, but I think the Ravens ultimately find a way to come, either come from behind and win, or they win by like a field goal in this one. But if they lost this game, I don't think it would necessarily make me go, "Oh my God, they're not one of the best teams in the NFL anymore." No, I no, would just if, say, "Holy crap!" Hats off to the fucking Bengals. Yeah, I think I think the Bengals would be stealing one, um, but I wouldn't. I like I wouldn't be. This is one of those picks I wouldn't be upset if I got wrong. I'll put it that way. Okay. All right. All right. Not well, like in the case. One. If that's the case, then maybe you should just pick the, the Bengals to you know upset the, the Ravens. But I, I think the Ravens are going to win. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, I just don't want to. I don't want to knock you down from from five to four picks. But then you're going to win next week. All right, I got Lions, Rams. Lions are own six. But this is the Jared Goff revenge game, right? No, it's not going to be the revenge game. While he's going to score points against a defense that I think he knows rather well, the odds of him getting his first win for his, on his new team against his former team are about as slim as your boy winning a game of Warzone versus Dr. Disrespect. Snowballs yeah, 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 in yeah, yeah, yeah. hell. Uh, maybe, just maybe the Rams will go easy on him and only pick him off twice and sack him three times. Uh, maybe. Uh, a Rams bigly in this. And it would not be surprising to me if the Rams win by two or more touchdowns. Hmm. <clears throat> Eagles Raiders. Um, another one I don't have a ton of confidence in. The Eagles just came out and put up a pretty decent game up against uh, the Bucks. Jalen Hurt is playing okay when the workload is being put on his back, but he's still somewhat inconsistent, and I don't think he has the skill set to carry an offense just yet. The Raiders, coming off of this last win, some of that w- might have been like an emotional sort of push for all of that. If you can keep up that momentum for more than a week, I, I don't know. Um, new play caller, new coach, going up against a dynamic quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So, tough one. I'm going to go Raiders just because I think they are, uh, they got the momentum. They are the better team. Carr is playing. Once again, he is playing like a superstar in this league. He's playing as an elite quarterback. So I think they have a chance to win any game. This is one of those against the Eagles who's struggling to find their identity. Got some gaps in the offense. Some, some by some, I mean a, a fair amount of trouble on the defensive side. I think they'll find ways to, to get this one. All right. Texas Cardinals. Arizona looks to be in control of most games and for most of the season. I just have a feeling they're going to toy with the Texans. Even if the Texans decided to trot out Deshaun Watson, they'd still lose this game. There's no way in no universe that I see the Texans beating the Cardinals. Um, also, I'm going to send Zach Ertz some uh, fantasy scoring vibes. I need him to score me some points because, uh, excuse me, his bye week, a lot of players on bye, and I absolutely need him because he just got traded from Philly to Arizona who lost Max Williams. Um, to a season-ending injury, so he needs some good vibes there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, in this game if Arizona's backup quarterback played meaningful minutes uh, because I think this game's going to be all Cardinals. I think they drop at least 38 points in this game. They'll, if I'm being completely honest, I want to see a 50-burger dropped on the Texans for karma because of the way that the, the Texans run their organization and the people that have been part of it. Uh, and for the sake of Kyler Murray's MVP campaign, I want a 50 burger. I really want a 50 burger. And I want, I want this team that they're going to face to go one and six and absolutely look like, like, like dog shit on like national television. I really, really want it. And I, and it's hard for me to do because they are a division like foe for the Seahawks. So I don't want them to be like, ah, oh. but I'd rather have them drop a 50 burger on them than on Geno Smith, like led team. You know what I mean? So. Uh, go go ahead and get your 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 angry offense out now. I mean, JJ Watt was hot, Mike, uh, and he was just saying everyone's saying you know we're getting we're getting the luck, but maybe we're just effing better. Maybe we're just fucking better than the rest of these teams. No, JJ, you just happen to have a lot of great skill players, and you have a nice complete football team, and you're beating the snot out of teams. There will be a team eventually. Like I don't think they're going to go perfect this season. There's going to be a couple teams that find ways to win like, against them, but it damn sure won't be the Texans. 
All right. Uh, Buccaneers, Bears. Uh, just got out of the way. I think Tampa's going to take this one. Uh, they are third in the league in points scored per game. Uh, Chicago is 30th in the league in points scored per game. Hey! Um, Tampa is first in passing yards with an average of 340 yards per game. Uh, can you guess where Chicago is? Um, probably like 27th. 32nd. Wow. <laughs> with 117 yards. Uh, yeah, it's this isn't going to be a great game. Uh, this one's going to be a little messy. Tampa's, you know, they're they're injured, so they're the Bears might might find a way to make it look interesting at one point in the game, either early on or maybe maybe midway through the second quarter. Bucks come out, make a bunch of adjustments, and then they just run away with it. I, this this is another one of those that potentially could get somewhat ugly. Uh, depending if they find ways to take advantage of some of the injuries that have been plaguing Tampa, uh, on their secondary on the defensive side, uh, you know, they, they are capable of maybe getting some points up, but in my opinion, I don't, I don't think this is it. They only average about 16 points per game, and that is not enough to beat a a Buccaneers team. No, the Bucks have been scoring less over the last few weeks. In fact, they only average. Uh, 32.5 points now, which is oh, down. My. <laughs> Only 15 uh, more points than, than uh, the other team's average. Yeah, so. yeah, so if they come out and they expose some sort of gap in, in the Bears, it's game over. This this one could be ugly. Nice. I'm, I like, I'm, I like I'm that. Talking like, I'm talking like another five-touchdown game or, or, or flirting with a five-touchdown game for, for Brady. He might get out and just play with him a little bit. That would, that, would, that would be good. That would be good to see. All right, Sunday night game, Colts 49ers. Jimmy G is back. I think whoever the powers that be in San Francisco have been listening to this podcast and hearing how you don't think Trey Lance is ready. Uh, Cause I, I don't think that Jimmy is not going to start this game. They are coming off their bye. If they were facing an older Colts team or a Darius Leonard less team, I might give them a shot, but I have a, like a very, very little amount of faith in the 49ers. Uh, they don't have a lot of counterpunch options right now. And uh, the Colts took the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens to overtime. I think the Ravens are a much better football team than the 49ers. And I think this is probably one of those games that will be fixing to be too close for comfort. And then because of what happens, everyone's going to claim, oh, Jimmy G is back. But the Colts should win this one comfortably, but it'll be probably a 28-24 win. Hmm. These Colts, baby. They uh. Might be on the upswing, but could be. Saints and Seahawks. <clears throat> I just love the fact that all of these primetime games were scheduled because they thought we want Russell Wilson in primetime, and now they're like, oh, we don't know. He might come back. He might not, but they don't want to flex the Seahawks out of primetime. It's yeah. great. It's great. It's, ab- it's absolutely great. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to say going into this one because you know we're seeing just a little bit of Geno Smith uh james winston though i kind of hate um <laughs> that's a w i know i want to pick i want to pick against them just to pick against them but they struggled a little bit coming off of the steelers game and the saints tend to be somewhat streaky we already have talked about the saints struggle i mean sorry the the seahawks uh defensive struggles throughout the season 
Um, the only thing that concerns me is uh, Jameis finding ways to get lucky, right? Like we, and that's the only way I can, I can, or or the coaches scheming properly because we we have all these games where he's put up gaudy numbers, but when you look at it, it's because he had like twelve passes and somehow got four touchdowns out of those those twelve passes or eleven passes. So, um. You know what? I'm gonna throw you a bone, Sam. Yay! I'm gonna go Seahawks. Fuck yeah! Uh, just, Fuck yeah! Let's go. And this is out of strictly out of my my complete hate of Jameis Winston. Don't care. Look, Jameis Winston gives a uh, whole bunch of people, uh, other teams, the ball. Seattle needs turnovers and bunches. There's always a Jameis Winston to fix that. I I. I'm going to go on record and say that I'm picking the Seahawks, but I feel like the Saints are going to win this game. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take I'll take that pick fuck up, but you're yeah. going to get proved right. That's what I think. I'll, I'll get a I'll get a I'll get a half a point out of this one. Also, but, I don't uh, think that, I don't think that my home field advantage anymore works. Like I've every time I've gone to Heinz Field, for example, the Steelers have lost. Every time I've seen the Steelers play a Seahawks, they've lost. Uh, and now that didn't happen this week, so I, I feel like. I, you know, the Seahawks used to be invincible at home. And for a Monday night game, front of the 12s in Seattle, it's, it's going to be fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to it. And looking forward to the fact that uh, win or lose, it's still a dub. Because if, if they win, then you call the Seahawks right and you've maybe fixed their, their bad juju curse. But if they lose and you got the pick wrong, and then I just get to eh, 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 and jump a little bit closer. So it's a win-win for me, baby. I'm, try- I'm trying to pick the pattern here. He went five touchdowns. Zero touchdowns, two touchdowns, one touchdown, four touchdown, no touchdowns. So last week, no touchdowns. No, this week he had. Uh, oh no, they had a bye week. Oh shit, I fucked it up. They had a bye week. That's the no touchdowns. Now he's gonna come out. He's gonna throw like seven. Yeah, no, no, no. Now he's gonna come out and throw Zippo. Ah, uh, well, it's uh, every other week. He has a bad game. Five zero two. One four. Last week would be zero. Well, last week was zero because he didn't play. Uh, still a zero. He no, this week's gonna be zero. You, no, 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 no. You know, you know, no, the bye week doesn't. I'm count sucking myself guys. out. I'm sucking myself <laughs> out. That's my pick. I'm sticking with it, even though I think the Saints are probably gonna win this game. Um, anyway. Insane. Anyway, that, uh, real quick. Yeah. Your socks pick. Let's just get it out of the way. Uh. Rip. They just lost to the Astros nine to uh, one. They they yeah. they were they went up two zero and now they're down three two. Yeah, no, they didn't go up two zero. They went up two. Oh, sorry, one one. Then they went two one. And then they then math is it. not Sam strong suit. Sure isn't. It's, That's it's why writing, I writing show notes is Sam strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Big they pull facts. it out. I think they pull it out. I think uh, this they have to go to Houston and yep. win. Well, they won. You know, handedly in Houston already, so I'm not too worried about that. I think they're they're uh, marquee starters. They just got out of the way. Now we're going to go back to the start of the rotation again. I think they're going to find ways to. Uh, I mean, their pitcher today was phenomenal. For anybody who doesn't know, we're recording this Wednesday night, mm. so uh, today's a, a rough, rough game. I think they find a way to pull it out. That's 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 my that's my guess. Yeah, I think they're bad. Their bats just need to come alive when, um, when your when your pitcher goes out and gives up six runs in, in the what the second or the third inning. You just have you have to come back. You have to respond. You have to go and 
just get steady, steady hits, you know, get a couple runs batted in, you know, for a couple back to back innings or something and keep it close enough to yeah. find a way and, and see if there's a pitch that, you know, is coming inside and you can just crush it for a grand slam because they stupidly let you, you know, get, get uh, players on base. And I think that's, that's a big change from the first couple games to now is that clearly uh, the Red Sox knew or had a very good inclination of what pitches were coming. And they were just really smart with stacking people on the bases and uh, hitting grand slams in the way that they did. The Astros were like, we cannot do this anymore. We absolutely cannot put these people in position to score, and we cannot give them the, the pitches that they want. So, you know, it was it was pretty bad to get uh, shellacked tonight, tonight the way that they did. But I think ultimately uh, the Red Sox will probably not survive this series. I. Uh, that, that's that's just that's just my take. I, I hope I'm wrong in that. Um, I didn't think they were going to make it this far to begin with, just given their their early season struggles. And uh, they showed me a, a ton of fight against the Yankees and uh, a ton of fight, obviously in this seat, you know, this postseason thus far. I just I wonder when the luck's going to run out. You know, yeah, it's just I didn't, uh, I didn't anticipate Chris Sale being their big question mark in the rotation. And nope, he is so not at all. Uh, game one and this game, common denominator, Chris Sale. So I think Evaldi, meanwhile, Evaldi just looks like he's worth pay that man. You know, just just continue to pay him and pay him and pay him. So Uh, you know, regular regular season of Evaldi is not that great. So you pay him knowing that you're making it to the uh, the the postseason. But yep, sometimes sometimes you got to keep people on the back burner. You know, what would be be really nice though is if we had like a designated hitter, like a really Ah. good designated hitter, like maybe like one David Ortiz, like to just you know, like why why doesn't that happen in baseball, Tim? There's always these like old nearing retirement you know football players and they always come back to you know go play one last season for a team because they still have the they still have the juice in them why aren't players like that attempting to come back i don't i don't get it jd has been phenomenal no he has he, he's been great and, and kiki's been awesome as well um well kiki is not designated here though no but i'm just i'm just saying there there are there are those players that you know you would think maybe do some time on another team you're a Red Sox player, but you went somewhere for a contract. Like, you know, going back to like the old. Like, are, are you trying days. to say let's bring uh, David Ortiz back? What are you mean, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, David Ortiz you know, is like 60 years old now. <laughs> and you don't think he can designate a hit? Uh, no. No, I cannot. I, I no. That, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like the, the opinion of someone who believes that um, George Clooney is the best Batman. And that uh, Christian Bale is not even a tough Batman, and that and Robert Pattinson. So for anybody, be- anybody wondering what he is talking about, at the start of this, I said, uh, I feel like they could fuck around and make one of the best Batman movies to date. And he and Sam went, "Whoa, tell that to the." I said, "No, no, no. The Joker and Heath Ledger was phenomenal, but what they've missed is the violence and the the." the fighting style of Batman in all the movies, even Christian Bale got his ass kicked for most of the movies. He was in the Batwing, did some work at the end, he went <laughs> in the tunnel, came back out, found a way to like be a ninja again after he got his back broken and kicked some ass. Ben Affleck's Batman. That dude was a bad motherfucker. He beat people down. He also killed people. By the way, that's if, true. If you, but I mean, that, you that's paying attention cut. when he when he was in his when he was in the when he was in the no 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 the, the he he was in the Batwing and literally blowing up cars with the Batwing like you don't survive that you literally killed people that's it and then you have if you haven't seen the trailer you have 
you have to look for the DC fandom uh, teasers, what it's called. And there's a scene in there where they say, who the hell are you? And I won't spoil it. You got to watch it. But anyway, well, no, no. The point of this (laughs) is that in the midst of that, Sam asked me, does that mean I think George Clooney was a bad Batman? And I was just appealed that that was even part of the conversation. Those are the worst films it wasn't, ever. It the wasn't Michael ever. Keaton. It was he. He said, "Wait, does that mean that George Clooney was a bad Batman? Like that's even part of the conversation." So you have I'm to appalled. talk about all these people. I'm I'm appalled. Here I am talking about violence, and you're talking about the only Batman that had circles around his nipples on his bat suit. So. <laughs> Him and Chris O'Donnell, it was the trashiest. One time, maybe we'll have to do a Sassamere podcast where we just talk about bad, bad movies. Not awesomely bad movies, like movies that should have been shit, but they were like pretty good, like all things considered. Like actually terrible, bad movies. Uh, And all of the George Clooney Batman films with Michelle Pfeiffer. No, with Alicia Silverstone as as Catwoman and Chris O'Donnell as Robin and Uma Thurman and and Jim Carrey. The The only good parts about those films were the villains. The, the the screenplay, the writing, the the, the effects just trash. Arnold Schwarzenegger, freeze, freeze. They're pretty good. Freeze. Pretty good. As not not that not that great, not that great. And I didn't even remember Alicia Silverstone was even in that. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer, but she was an earlier Catwoman. Go to YouTube. Uh, go to my Facebook page. I have it on there. Just Tim Cronin. Uh, watch it. Tell us what you think of it because I've watched it about a thousand times. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's I'm probably not, why it has a thousand and three views. Oh my god, it has uh, there's it has gotten enough reaction that there are people who have made reaction mashups to it because it is that surprising to anybody who saw it and saw like a glittery vampire and was like, "All right, this isn't this isn't Batman." And then you see it and you're like, "And oh, with shit. that, oh shit, this is Batman." And with that, uh, Tim, you're putting all this hubris out there. You're going to lose all your picks next week. I just want you to know that. All right. Five or bust. Five or bust. <laughs> Damn. I'm gonna put that up as a hashtag uh, when I when I put up this when I put up this episode uh, on, our, on our IG and, and Twitter pages. All right, yep. that'll do it for this episode of Sassamer Podcast. We thank you all very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about it, and uh tell Tim why George Clooney is the best Batman. Just, oh, just put, it, put it in the comments. I gotta go. I gotta go. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. Peace. Peace.